you have a Bible, I'd invite you to open it to Matthew chapter 13. If you have a smartphone and you want to open it to, uh, if you have the YouVersion app or the Bible on your phone, I invite you to open it and keep it there as we'll look at this today. I'm going to read this aloud and you can follow along. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the weeds sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks for standing. I want to invite you to keep a finger there, and uh, we're going to be looking at the explanation Jesus gives of this, of this parable a few verses down, in verse, starting in verse 36. Uh, but today, um, I want to talk to you about having a shift in your perspective on your life. I was uh, driving with a friend of mine number of years ago, and uh, in front of us was a delivery truck, and he said, hey, do you, do you see the arrow? And I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? He said, do you see the arrow? And, and in front of us was a FedEx truck. And I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? He said, in the logo of FedEx is an arrow. I said, there's no arrow in the logo of FedEx. Are you crazy? What are you talking about? He said, no, look, between the E and the X, and we don't have a picture, so don't Google it, uh, <laughs> look, there's an arrow. And I went, there's an arrow there. And I had a shift in my perspective. And now, and when, if you have never seen that before, when you find it, for those of you who are Googling it right now, uh, <laughs> you see that, you won't be able to, you'll go, there's an arrow there. I never saw that. And, and what, that's what happens when you have a shift in your perspective is you can no longer unsee what you have just seen. You, you, it's always there for you. And that can happen in your life. You can have a shift in your perspective so that you see things in a different way. Now, this is, this is always true. Um, when I was uh, 16, if you've been around, you've heard me tell about my mom. My mom died when I was 16 of cancer. And so I know what it's like. I've had a shift in my perspective about what it's like when someone you love dies and you stand next to the casket at the wake or the, the viewing and people file by and they say their words and they try and say something helpful. I know what that feels like because I've had my perspective shifted and now when someone else goes through that, I, 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 I kind of sort of, in, in a way, can empathize that if, you hadn't, if I hadn't gone through that, I, I probably couldn't. I, my perspective has shifted and I can no longer unsee what someone's going through and what the emotions they're feeling and the thoughts they're having and the confusion that's going on on the inside. It's a, it's a shift in perspective. Now, I, I, would, I, I want you to have a shift in your perspective, but I don't want you to have just a shift in your perspective. What I hope happens this morning is that you get... Uh, and you begin to see life from God's perspective, because that's even better than our perspective. God's perspective is much better than, than my perspective, and I'm going to talk to you about three uh, life shifts that can happen. But just think for a second, uh, before we jump into this, uh, think about the trouble in your life. you got a bill that's due, and you don't know how you can pay it. And your perspective is, I don't see how that's going to work. Now, what if you had God's perspective on that? Uh, you, have, uh, you have decisions to make, and you're not sure what decision to make. Some, so there might be money attached to it. There might be emotion attached to it or relationship attached to it. And you're thinking, I don't know how to make that decision. I don't know what's going to happen when I do make that decision. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And you're all worried about it uh, because your perspective is limited. Now, what if you had God's perspective on that same thing? 
Or think about your money, how you think about money and what you think money is for and why you need money and what you do with money. And, and you have your perspective of that, but what if you had God's perspective on your money? What, what would happen if you, if you had that? Now, what, what, what is God's perspective? Now, ours, here's, here's what our perspective is. Our perspective is this life, right? Just this thing, this is all we've got. And so because this, we have a limited perspective, we get worried about what's going to happen a week from Tuesday, don't we? I'm like, oh man, I don't know. The country's going to come unhinged. Whoever gets elected, I'm not sure. I, whoa, we're, all, we're wringing our hands. We're worried about it. Now, that's us, right? That's our perspective. But what's God's perspective? Well, God's perspective is outside of time. God's perspective is eternal. Do you think God is wringing his hands and he's going, oh, on Tuesday, November the 8th, I'm not sure what's gonna, what I'm going to do if the wrong person gets elected. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be really confused. I'm really worried about that. Woo, things are going to go bad, right? Because God doesn't have our perspective. He has a different perspective. And so I want to, I uh, if I can this morning, help you begin to see your life from God's perspective. Now, this story that Jesus tells uh, right here in Matthew chapter 13 is a, a story about God's perspective on things, on life, and on what's important, and on what matters. And um, this is uh, one of uh, what many parables that Jesus tells. A parable is uh, just a, a story that helps us to understand something that we may not understand. It, it literally means to throw something down alongside something else. Something we don't understand with something we do understand. And so when, when Jesus talks about God's kingdom, we might go, well, what does that mean? And what does God's kingdom uh, pertain to? And how, how do I get involved with that? We may not understand that. And so Jesus puts down something concrete to help us begin to understand that. He tells us several parables, and we're going to look at them uh, for the next few weeks, uh, uh, the parables about um, being in God's kingdom. Um, but th that is a good question. What, what is God's kingdom? Well, if you were to start from the beginning of the Bible with Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve had a relationship with God, and uh, they turned their backs on God, but God didn't turn his back on them. But they were able to have a one-to-one -one relationship with God. Um, you follow the narrative of the Old Testament, and what you find out is that then uh, Adam and Eve have children, and they become the people who are enslaved in Egypt, and Moses comes, and uh, Disney makes uh, the, the pr prince in Egypt, the prince of Egypt, okay, it's a joke, don't worry about it, um, so he, he, he comes, and he sets the people free, right, and he says that this is, these are God's people, let them go, and so they go, and they still have a relationship with God, and they go, and they become a nation, if you know the, the story of the Old Testament, and they look around at the other nations around them and they say, hey God, it's great that you're our king and that we're close to you, but I, we see that the other nations have a king and we want a human king like they do. And God says, okay, you're stubborn. Uh, this is not going to go well with you, but I'm fine, I'll give you what you want. And he gives them a king. And then what you find out is, you know, if you know the narrative, is they then go into exile because they basically rejected God as king. And uh, they go into exile and they're, at the time of Jesus, still in a form of exile because of how they see God as king. Now, what is, what is a kingdom? Well, a kingdom is just the dome over which the king rules. When, when you were in seventh grade, you know what your kingdom was? It was your locker, right? That's pretty much all you had any say over was like, my locker, that's my locker, don't mess with like, That was your world, right? No one messed with my locker, no one messed with my school bag. Well, what Jesus is saying is God's in charge of the entire, like you were in charge of your locker, God's in charge of the entire universe. But you can choose to be outside of it and not be in God's kingdom. Now, you, you might go, okay, well, Matthew says the kingdom of heaven. Is that the same thing as the kingdom of God? Yes, Matthew's writing to a, a, a Jewish audience, and if you know how the Jewish mind works, uh, they would not even say the name of God out of respect for God. The, the, the commandment says don't take the Lord your uh, God's name in vain. They would not even say God's name. And so uh, they used heaven as a, a stand-in for the name of God. So when Matthew's talking about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, he's talking about uh, the exact same thing. 
But then Jesus tells us this parable. Now, a, a few verses later, Jesus tells us what the parable means. And we'll go through this uh, verse by verse so you can kind of get a sense of it. We'll put it on the screen. But verse 24, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed. So he says that man is the son of man. It's, it's him. It's God. And the good seed is the people of the kingdom or the sons of the kingdom or the daughters of the kingdom. And he has this field. So here's this, here's this man who owns this field that he cares about and he invests in and he plants good seed in it. So that's the first picture we get of God and God's perspective. That God cares about the world and wants good things for it and you. First, first piece of understanding God's perspective. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy, uh, which is the devil, came and sowed weeds. Now the weeds, Jesus says uh, later, is that the weeds are the people of the devil or the sons of the devil or the uh, daughters of the devil. So there's weed uh, among the wheat and went away. So here's, here's this conflict that gets introduced to us from the beginning. There's a landowner who cares about the land, but there's someone who hates the landowner and comes in and wants to destroy the work of the landowner and so sows weeds. Now, i got to stop here. It's not so weed. <laughs> kind of need to say that today. <laughs> so it's weeds, right? It's a specific kind of weed called a darnel, which was a poisonous, uh, a poisonous weed. And when they first came up, the, the, the shoot of the wheat and the shoot of the darnel, you couldn't tell the difference because they look so similar. And so you weren't sure which was which. Which So he sows this, this poisonous thing, and then he leaves because that enemy does not care about anybody or anything, but uh, only wants to destroy the work of the landowner. So the parable goes on. When the weeds sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. So here's God's perspective is that God lets uh, the things that he's planted grow up, and in his understanding and providence, he lets the things that the devil has planted grow up. Now we're confused by that. That's frustrating to us. But he lets them both grow up together. And you know what God's, the thing that God's planted is? You, right? You're the son, you can be the son or daughter of the kingdom. Or the, you could also be, though, because what's the devil's work? To plant weeds, and what are the weeds? The sons or daughters of the devil. That could be you, too. So he goes on. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? This is, uh, so here's the confusion, right? We understand this. We get this. Uh, we don't understand why bad things happen. This is what they're saying. Why did these bad, you, you intended something good. Why is this bad stuff happening? I don't get it. They're confused. They're frustrated. We, we understand exactly what that feels like. It's why we say things like, what's wrong with the world? What's wrong with people today? Right? This is out of this frustration. Why, is there, why are there these weeds? We don't understand. And then here, notice what the, the owner of the, the field says. He says, an enemy did this, he replied. So the owner knows what the problem is. The problem is the enemy. Here, here's, here's what Jesus is saying. Did you know that if you have something bad happening in your life, it's not a punishment from God? Do you know God is not the author of, of terrible things that happen? Do you know God doesn't send cancer to give someone character? It's not that, no, that's from God. The owner says, this is God. It's from the enemy, right? That's, that's what we're supposed to understand. And so the servants asked him, uh, do you want us to go and pull them up? Do we wanna, they want to help and they want to solve the problem. But now notice God's perspective, okay? Notice what God does. No, the owner says. And he says, wait, what does he say? Let them both grow up together. And then at the end, we'll see. And we'll pull up the weeds and we'll bundle them together and we'll throw them in the fire and burn them. And then we'll take the wheat and we'll put it in the barn. So what happens is he's, he's saying, we'll fix this at the end because then we'll see clearly 
and be able to separate the seed from the weed. He has, God has a different perspective. Now, that's not us, right? We, we go, oh, something terrible happens. There's a weed, and we go, how am I going to fix this? i got to fix this right now. What am I going to do about this? I don't know how to fix it. We get all anxious, and we get all worried, and we get, God doesn't have that perspective. God sees things differently. God sees the end from the beginning, and he says, wait. Now, now what's, what's going on right here? Here's, here's what Jesus is saying about God's perspective, if you could begin to get it, is that God's perspective determines his course of action. He sees the future and so plans his actions in the present based on what's to come. Now, this is always true of all of us. Did you know that? However you see the future determines how you'll act in the present. This is always true. I'll give you an example. Let's say uh, you went and you saw an offer for uh, a job and you said, yeah, I'd like to change jobs. And you go and you apply for the job and, and they say, now listen, this is a really a unique job. Uh, and what it is, is we're going to, we have this big giant pile of manure over here and we're going to have you take this spoon and we want you to every day for a year, scoop the manure and put it over in this other corner. Now you're ready to walk out the door until they tell you uh, but here's the kicker, at the end of that year, we're going to give you $1 million pay. How many of you would go, mm, okay, sign me up, right? I'm good, right? And you know what you would do if that was the, the deal you made? Because you saw the future and you went, hey, and when someone asked you what you did for a living, you would say, I scoop manure with a spoon. I love it. It's great. <laughs> it's the best thing I've ever done. You'd make t-shirts that say manure scooper. I'm proud of it. You know, you mean, you'd be like, you'd think this is the greatest thing ever, wouldn't you? Right? On the other hand, if they said, and it pays $10,000 a year, and you had no other option and you chose it, what would you do every day you went to work? Same exact circumstances, different understanding of the future, different perspective. You'd hate every single second, wouldn't you? Right? Now, this is, this is, this is how God sees things. See, you look at some things in your life, and they look like a pile of manure. God does not have that perspective. He doesn't see it the way you do. He's not trapped by your limitation. He's not, he's not under your kinds of ways of thinking. He, doesn't have, he has a totally different perspective. You don't see the end from the beginning like God does, and God wants to give you some of his perspective. So I want to I give you uh, three life shifts that come in from having an, an eternal perspective, a perspective like God's, that are from this passage I'm going to tell you what they are, and then I'm going to unpack them for you, okay? Here's the first one. The first life shift that could come for you is that you could own who I belong to. Would you say that out loud with me? Own who I belong to. The second one is this. Know what I'm here for. Would you say that out loud with me? Know what I'm here for. And then the third one is this. Make sure to judge. Say that with me. Ready? Make sure to judge. Now, what in the world do those three things mean? Own who I belong to. Now, the wheat, Jesus tells us, is what? The, the people of the kingdom, the sons of the kingdom, the daughter of the kingdom. And the metaphor is this owner who has this plot of land who, with intention and purpose, planted the seed in the land because he cared about his land. He cared about what was uh, in it. He cared about the seeds that he planted. He wanted them to grow up. He wanted them to be there. He planned for them to be there. He had a purpose for them being there. And Jesus says, that's you. God planned for you. God wanted you. God desired you. Do you remember in elementary school when they would pick teams for games at recess? Do you remember what it felt like if you were the one they picked first? 
you want, I mean, you're like, <laughs> wow, I'm wanted. Do you remember what it felt like if you were picked last or not picked at all? This is, this is the emotion that we're meant to feel. God wanted you. God picked you first. And, and it, uh, the reason I said own what, who I belong to and not know who I belong to is sometimes the longest distance to travel in the world is the 18 inches from our head to our heart. But when you see from God's perspective, the shift that comes in your life is you begin to own the fact that I belong to God and he wanted me. I'm not a reject. I'm not an accident. I'm not someone's mistake. I'm not someone my parents were regretted having. I was wanted. See, I can begin to, what I see from God's perspective, it's a shift in my life. It goes into my heart. I own who I belong to. I can own that. Second thing is this, is that I, I can know what I'm made for. Because what's, what's the seed, right? It's, it's the wheat, and it's going to grow up. And it has a purpose. To provide food. To be fruitful. Now, there's this, uh, this principle in interpreting the Bible. It's called the principle of first mention. And what it means is, is that when you are not quite sure what something means in a passage of Scripture, and you'll run into that often when you read the Bible, is you can sometimes go back to the very first time that concept or word is mentioned in the Bible, and it sometimes sheds some light on what you're trying to understand. And so if you were to go back to the first time a seed is mentioned in the Scripture, it's 11 verses into the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1-11, when God creates the heavens and the earth, and he puts the seed-bearing plants that they would grow up, and they would provide fruit for the earth. And so the idea is that you were meant to be a fruitful person, to do good in the world, to make the world a better place. One of my friends told me a long time ago, he said, just listen, just make it your goal in life to leave things better than you found them. Did you know you were made for that? To leave things better than you found them? What if, you, what if where you worked, when you were done working there, people look back and they go, man, she left it better than she found it. Or you're, in, you're raising your kids and you're not quite sure what to do and you just got to keep in your brain, okay, I'm going to leave them better than I found them. I might want to kill them today, but I'm going to leave them better than I found them. I'm going to do it. Or you're in a relationship with somebody or you're married to somebody and you're going to leave them better. Leave them better. You die before they do and you stood before God and everybody and you promised till death do you part. When they die, let it be that they say about you, Man, my husband left me better than when he found me. My wife, I'm better because of my wife. You see, you were made for that. You were, you have, God didn't make you for no reason. There's a reason for you to get up in the morning. And that seed, that, that wheat is meant to be a fruitful. Now, that, that you, we, we could trace this theme all the way through the Bible, and you'd find out that the kinds of fruitfulness that God wants out of our life is we want, He wants us to be people of justice. And so whenever we see injustice or oppression, we don't, we don't make our decisions based on our political affiliation and say, well, my political party sees this as the, the issue of injustice, or my, particle, my political party sees this. We don't make it. We don't go, well, you know what? I'm conditioned by the American experiment of the last 250 years, so I'll, I'll give my energies to that. We say, no, my faith is what drives me. It's way older. It's from a God who's timeless. And so he says that anytime there's anyone who's oppressed or suffering from injustice, that I'm going to work to make that better. I'm going to work to make that right. Or we're people, the kind of fruit that we bring is we bring peace into the world. We're people of re reconciliation. And so the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, listen, one of the things that God has left for us to do is he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what that means when people are at odds and, and motion causes friction? 
life causes relational pain. Is we don't run. We're not those people, because see, we're the sons and daughters of the kingdom, and so we don't run from those scenarios. We stay, and we work for peace, and we go, it's difficult, and i got to own my part, but I'm going to stay, I'm going to work for peace. I'm not going to give up on this. I'm going to see this be reconciled so that there's healing. I'm not going to let bitter words fly when someone says something on Facebook that I don't like, and you people, I'm unfriending you and your brother. We're not, we're not, we don't do that. We're not those people. That's not us. Peace. And then we're the people who share the good news. We're, we're the people who announce that God's made you and loves you and wants to be close to you and wants you in his kingdom. He wants to be in charge of your life because he knows how to run it better than you do. And God can forgive you and give you a new start. And you can come with me to church and I'll introduce you to people and I'll show you how to follow Jesus. We're, we're, see, we're those people. That's the kind of fruit that we were meant to exhibit to see we can know what we were made for. We're made for those kinds of things. Now, the third thing is a little bit difficult for us because it's, uh, it's that we've got to make sure to judge. Now, what in the world do I mean? Well, this is a parable of contrast. And it, because it's a parable of contrast, there's an either or. There's a, there's, it's very, very black and white. There's not a lot of gray in this. And what Jesus says is that you're either a seed or you're a weed. Meaning, you're either a son or daughter of the kingdom or you're a son or daughter of the devil. There's no middle ground. You're one of the two. You either, you either belong to God or you belong to the devil, and that's the reality of your life, whether you like it or not. Now, there, and then there's going to be a day when this is all be revealed. There'll be a judgment day when this is all revealed. So Jesus s- describes it in Matthew chapter 13, verse 40. He's describing this parable, and this is what he says. We'll put it on the screen. As the, weeds are pulled up and, uh, as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. Uh-oh. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now this is a phrase, weeping and gnashing of teeth, that every time Jesus mentions hell, he uses some variation of this phrase almost every time. And what Jesus is referring to when he talks about hell is he has a, a mental picture that everyone in his day understood what he was talking about. He talked about the, the, uh, what was called the Hinnom Valley, an actual place that was the garbage dump. And at the garbage dump, you didn't have someone coming to pick up your trash, so you would go out to the dump and you'd dump all your trash. If your dog died, you'd throw your dog there. If your cat died, that's a good thing. And, and, and kidding, I'm kidding. I know. Send your hate mail to my email, tmcguire at reallifecc.org. Not a cat person. Hang with me, all right? So you throw that that animal, that feline, uh, there. If, if If someone died and they didn't have a burial plot, you would throw the person there. And so there was always someone there weeping and crying and burning. And it was just like this terrible thing. This is a modern day picture of the Hinnom Valley today. Um, and now, obviously, it's not a, a trash pit anymore because it's been cleaned up, you know, 2,000 years later. Now, you may have some of this. Is, it's frozen, right, where Jesus refers to as hell. Maybe you know someone who says, I'll go to church when hell freezes over. You just show them this picture. It's frozen over. <laughs> Come on, man. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. But it's this picture of a garbage dump. So I thought, okay, let's just make sure we see this. this is, uh, these are actual dumps. Uh, this, this right here is a, a garbage dump in Haiti. Now, I don't know if you know this, but there are large cities around the world where people have horrible access to resources and there are whole communities of people who live around garbage dumps and their living is whenever the garbage truck shows up 
uh, they flock to it like ants to honey, and they pull all the trash out. This is a dark garbage dump in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And there's a, another slide. I'm just going to leave it here with you. It just kind of evokes the image that Jesus is meaning to convey. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, um, this is an uncomfortable thing because we, we, we want to believe that, that Jesus is all um, rainbows and ponies and unicorns and that he's never going to judge anything or make anything. It's like, it's just, so we, this is an uncomfortable image for us. But, but I want you to notice something. Who in this story does the judging? It's not me. It's not you. It's, it's God that does the judging, right? He, at the end, has the perspective to see what's wheat and what's seed, because you and I can't make that, I can't make that delineation right now. So it, that really, a phrase really ought to say, who, who you, you make sure that you judge, make sure that you judge, make sure that I judge me, because I, I don't have the perspective to judge you. I, I don't see the, inform- it may look to me like you're living a life that's a weed, or it may look to you like I'm living a life that's a weed, but I, you don't have that perspective, and neither do I. I don't see the end from the beginning. I don't get it. I, so I got to let it grow up till the end, and until God, in his greater perspective, can make sense of the whole mess. So I can't judge you, but I better judge me, because I'm either a son or daughter of the kingdom, or I'm a son or daughter of the devil. So I better, I'll say it to you like this, I have no grounds for judging you, but I better judge me. Because I'm one of them. So I, only I can know me, only you can know you. And so you better judge you and I better judge me. But I got no business judging you and you got no business judging me. Now what in the world do we do with all this? Here's, here's the message that Jesus is always preaching. You have to set what you hear from Jesus in the context of what Jesus is always preaching. The message Jesus is always preaching is that in, at any moment in your life you can change teams. And if you're one of the sons of the devil, because see, that wheat, that fruit that comes up, that's how we know whether or not we're one of the sons of the kingdom. We're exhibiting the right kind of fruit. The the fruit is something that comes up that shows that we have the right root. Okay, did you see that? We don't do those things so that God will like us and love us. We do those things because we found out that God likes us and loves us. And so we work for justice and we work for peace. And we share the good news and we care for the poor and we forgive the people who hurt us. See, that's the fruit we're looking for. If we don't have that fruit in our life, then we're probably not a son or daughter of the kingdom because that's not coming up in our life, right? But the good message of Jesus is that at any point you can change teams and that the, God, the good news from Jesus is that God can supernaturally change the kind of seed that you are from a weed into a seed and you can grow up and you can bear the right kind of fruit in your life. Because see, some of you, you're a son of the devil and you're living like it. And you've got a wake of destruction behind you no one wants to be close to you, and you're creating chaos everywhere that you go. Because you're a son of the devil. Be honest about yourself. Judge yourself and go, yeah, that's pretty much me. And here, here there's a short-term and a long-term thing to this. See, the short-term thing is when you're a son or daughter of the, of the devil, the way Jesus is describing it here, you're, you're, a, you're two people. Because, see, you want to appear like you've got it together and you're a good person. And then, but then the other times, you just do whatever you want. So you might come in here on Sunday and be like, oh, Jesus... And then on Saturday night, you know what I mean? Just like you're two people. You're not the same person. See, when you're a seed, when you understand that you're God's son or daughter, it begins to heal you so that you become one person. And you can be the same person sitting in here that you are on Saturday night. It's not different people, right? 
So you, you, when you're, when you're a, a son or daughter of the devil, the way Jesus describes it, you're always, you're always like, you're, it's like you're torn between two people. I want to be this, but I'm that. And I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know how to stop that. But the, the message of Jesus is that you can change teams at any time. God can supernaturally change you from a weed into a seed. That's the miracle of being born again. And then the long-term consequence of that, though, is that, that you forever are away from God. I love how C.S. Lewis said it. He said there are two kinds of people. There are people who say to God, thy will be done, sons of the kingdom. And then there are people to whom God says, because they don't want to say that to God, to whom God says, okay, well, thy will be done. And they want nothing to do with God, and so forever they're, they're on the garbage heap of life where there's weeping and there's gnashing of teeth and it's just a nasty existence and they've chosen it. So there's a lot at stake here. There's your short term. You can, you can either live in heaven right now or you can live in hell right now and you can live in heaven then or you can live in hell then. I want to invite you into heaven. We're going to take uh, the Lord's Supper, communion, Eucharist. I don't know what word you may know this, uh, this meal as. This is the meal that Jesus took with his disciples the night that he was betrayed on the cross. And um, he used it as an image for the way that he was going to offer his life for, for all of mankind, for you, for the people who are the weeds. Because listen, all of us start out as a weed. No one's in the kingdom until they've been supernaturally brought in and turned into a seed. Nobody. You don't, you don't get born into it. You're not a grandchild of God. You're a child of God, right? So... This meal that we're going to take is a reminder and an opportunity to change teams. And to remember that, uh, that Christ died for us. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Corinthians. He said, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, understanding what he did, eat and drink judgment on themselves. In other words, pause when you take this meal. Remember what Christ did for you and accept it. Accept again that you're a, you can be a son of the king. You can be a daughter of the king. And say, I'm done being a weed. Tim's going to come. He's going to sing a song. And um, I just want to take a minute and I'll, I just want you to reflect. I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about, am I, am I a son of the king? Am I a son of the devil? What am What's the fruit that's coming out of my life? And what is it that God's saying to me, and what do I need to do about it? And then in a minute, I'm going to invite you up to take these elements after you've had a chance to reflect and, and talk to God about your life, and then we'll be done. There's a part of me that doesn't understand how you can trust in me when I don't know if I can trust myself. Can't you see that I'm just no good? I can prove it to you. I know I proved it to me.
Sometimes I get lost inside and I try to hide, but I just can't find my peace of mind. You get pushed aside by my foolish pride. It's time I let you come inside. Come inside. Come on, sir. I just don't know what it is that makes me do things my way. Come on, search me, search me, come on, search me, let me The night that he was betrayed, Jesus was with his disciples sharing a meal, and he took bread when he was with them, and he broke it, and he said, this bread symbolizes my body that was broken for you. And then in the same way, he took a cup, and he lifted it up, and he said, this represents my blood that was shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of their sins. Then he said, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
remember me. Now, this was a meal that Jesus was having with his disciples, and we don't do this as much as we used to. Maybe we need to start doing this again. But remember when you were a kid, you would go over to someone's house for a meal? They'd cook you a meal. They'd make something, and there'd be an invitation, and you'd look forward to when you went over to their house. And you know, remember how you felt when you felt included and wanted because they wanted to be around you, and they wanted to be... Or remember when you were over at your friend's house and you were playing and their mom would make a meal and they would holler. They'd go, hey, it's dinner time, guys. Come on in. And you'd come in and you'd sit around the table. What What did the table mean? It meant that you were included. It meant that you belonged. It meant that you were part of the family. And when we take the Lord's Supper, it's a reminder that we're invited in. Come on in, dinner time, guys. You can be part of the family. You'd sit around the table. So in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand and and invite you to come forward, either to affirm the fact, go ahead and stand if you would, either to affirm the fact that uh, I'm a son or daughter of the king, thank you, thank you that I'm a part of the family, or maybe this is your moment, this is, you you say, "I'm, I'm ready to change teams, I'm done, I'm done with that, I need the supernatural change, and so God, I'm coming to your, your table to be part of your family, sit around the table, be one of your kids, and get God's perspective on your life. So as you come down, I want want you to take a piece of the bread and dip it in the juice and eat and be thankful. Remember that Christ died for you. And then as you eat, you're sent to love God, to love people, and to serve the world. Let's pray, and then I'm going to invite you to come forward. God, thank you um, that even when there's a a word that's, uh, that's judgment about what's to come, there's more hope than that. There's always the offer and the promise of something better. It's The last words, hope and grace. The last words, not judgment. So God, I pray that you'd help us to hear those of us who have been been living like son of the devil, daughter of the devil. And we've got just destruction behind us and in front of us and feel stuck. God, today, today, change their destiny, change their perspective, change their eternity. Thank you that we are invited to sit at your table in your house and be part of your family. Thank you. Pray this in your name. Amen. Come on to dinner.